Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of Back in the Lifeboat, a podcast when we watch and recap every episode of the series Timeless. I'm Helen, and I'm here with my co-host, Heather. Hey, guys. And today we're covering season two, episode two, the Darlington 500. As usual, we'll do a quick episode overview before we get into the thick of the episode, and then we'll go over of our overall thoughts and Heather's theories for what's coming. I always have trouble with over our overall thoughts. That's like a mouthful. Um, uh, continuing on the main cast, former and current project. Today, I'm going to talk about Sakina Jaffrey, uh, our mama Denise, bunker mama, officially now. Jeffrey <laughs> uh, was uh, in a few things. She's She's been going for quite a bit. Um, I seen her recently in the Hating Game. I don't know if you watched that rom com. It no, was so good. Not. It was so good. She was one of the, um, not the main, but like one of the important characters because she was the the boss of the the company. Uh, she was in Miss Marvel too. She led a little appearance in Miss Marvel. I didn't finish that one. I got burnout with Marvel for a while. I'm so far beyond now. I think Miss Marvel's. Pretty much the last thing I watch, more or less. Uh, as far as shows, at least. Yeah. Um, she was also in uh, Snowpiercer Billions. How she did? She had like nineteen episodes in House of Cards, but I didn't watch that show. Uh, of course, she was in SVU, and even the <laughs> the OG Law and Order. Um, and I don't know if you remember that movie um, with, uh, I forgot her name. Um, the movie is uh, Raising Helen with the actress oh. that was in um, How to Lose Again in 10 Days. I forgot her name. Kate Hudson. Thank you. Uh, she was uh, The Neighbors. Yeah. I went back and watched it. I'm like, that's so good. Like, I remember that scene where she, uh, uh, Hay- the Hayden Panter's character had like a boy over and mm-hmm. uh, Helen doesn't know how to handle it. And she goes and knock at her door for advice. And she just comes in like big mama bear with like a baseball bat to run the boyfriend out like it's so good. <laughs> I haven't seen that. It's it's a, it's like a rom-com, but it's it's a it's a cute. It's a cute rom-com. I, I really like it. I feel like there was a while where it was like a lot of rom-coms were coming out and they were all kind of like decently good and I missed like half of them. Well, this is this is one I would definitely recommend. Yeah. It's like you're, yeah, you're like early 2000 rom-com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely like around the same time as How how to Lose a Gat and is. And the, the male lead is, uh, and again, I'm terrible with names. The same male lead as uh, my, like, big Greek wedding. John Corbett? Yes. My big fat Greek wedding? Big fat Greek wedding. I feel like I, I'm blanking on names. It's one of my I'm terrible favorite movies. <laughs> it's so good. I, I didn't see the last one. I only saw the first, like, the yeah, first two. I wouldn't say that one was my favorite. No, okay. <laughs> uh, I would say you could skip it. <laughs> I want to rewatch the first, the first one. Even the second was pretty good. Yeah, I think um, they're filmed in Toronto. Yeah, they are. Yeah, in Greek town, based in Chicago though. Yes, like they're supposed to be in Chicago. Yeah, they always try to pass us for American cities, but we know. 
we know. Uh, anyway, into the episode overview. That's it for Sakina. Um, this episode is titled The Darlington 500. The description on Rotten Tomatoes is... The team chases Rittenhouse to a stock car race in the 1950s. Wyatt learns that his favorite driver is actually an agent on a mission to destroy the American car industry. They team up with Wendell Scott, the first African-American NASCAR driver. Uh, it's such a good Wyatt episode, though. <laughs> it is. I mean, he likes cars. We know that from the first episode. I know. That was so good. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I jumped the gun. Uh, this episode originally aired March 18th, 2018. Right after, like, the week after the the premiere. Which, you know, after 13 months, I didn't want to take a week break so fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this episode of written, is written by Jim Barnes, and this is his third and last episode. And it was directed by Otunde Osunsanmi. Uh, I hope I said that name right. Um, the only episode that he would direct for Timeless. Uh, he's a Nigerian-American uh, director, actually. Yeah. Um, I saw he had a lot of sci-fi stuff under his belt. Yes, uh, he did like 50, produced like 50, over 50 episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed a few of them too. Um, he also directed, or yeah, directed like um, an, uh, an episode of Under the Dome. Like Bates mm-hmm. Motel, Legend of Tomorrow, Sleepy Hollow, even Gotham. So yeah, that was, um, like you said, quite a bit of sci-fi. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was it was it's a good episode, so did a good job. Um okay, I guess now it's time to get into the episode itself. Time to get back into the lifeboat. Uh and we start uh in Darlington, South Carolina in September 4. On September 4, 1955, Ryan Millerson is prepping for the big race with the support of his pregnant wife. And they're pretty cute. Yeah. They're kind of cute. They're sweet. They kind of dance in the living room. Office, yeah. Or living room. I guess it's the living room. Yeah, I think. Uh, But meanwhile, there's a car on the way there with Emma and one of her goons. And they want to kill everybody. You know, same old, same old. I feel like this was a good, like, bait and switch of like how the episode played out because you definitely thought it was something else like even like you were along you and the team were in the same spot yeah because like you're like okay so they want to kill that dude for whatever reason and i guess his Mm -hmm. whole family because um but yeah but that's not what i say like they say it's like two coffins instead of one three if you count the bun in the oven because yeah the the wife is pregnant like heavily pregnant Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're there, I'll just jump right with uh, Ryan Millison, who's played by Matt Long, who uh, was Zeke Linden on Manifest. I can't talk about Manifest. I haven't seen it. I know it's Manny's favorite show or one of his favorite shows, <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to get on that soon. Um, he was part of the main cast in the short-lived Jack and Bobby, which I haven't heard of, which is probably why it's only one season. Uh, not that I have, I'm an expert on shows, but anyway, uh, 
we had also like a few episodes on like private practice, Mad Men. So did a few things. Yeah. He was the love interest in Sydney White, which is a really cute Amanda Bynes movie from like 2008. He played the oh. frat boy. Okay. He sings in the library. There's a whole thing. Interesting. It's cute. Uh, I guess that was another timeline. <laughs> uh, and his wife, whose name we never learn, uh, is played by Annie Tedesco, who was in Secret Life of the American Teenager, uh, a show called Granite Flats. And she had like a few one-offs in NCIS, Bones, 911 Station 19, and SWAT. Most recently, she's moved on soaps and she's on General Hospital. Um, But now we go to the bunker and Gia and Rufus are making, I don't know, repairs or updates on the lifeboat. And Gia, she has a a little moment where she kind of, everything kind of fades out and she sees a a burn appear on Rufus's arm. Uh, So it's like due to like the seizures that she was having mm-hmm. we can assume she's seeing like is she seeing the past or is she seeing the future because you could argue that's for a both. good question that is a good question <laughs> is, she, is she seeing it when it happens or after they get back yeah, uh but when she sees it it hasn't happened yet in the past but she could be so seeing the past part... when it happens well but then she would see it as it happens in the past. Yeah, but at this moment, she's seeing the future past. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh my god, online things. <laughs> I know it's it's hard. No, I I I I don't think it can be the past because at this point, it's still the time. I don't know. I don't know. It's too hard. It could be argued for both. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, time travel. She, thing. It could technically be since they are time traveling. She could either be seeing the past or she could be seeing the future. True. Uh, there's, he, a, there's a book series that I really they never produced like the third book, but uh, there's a person who can see the past and a person who can see the future and they can talk to each other. And I was like, that is a brilliant plot device. Oh, but now like. That makes me want to read it, but now that you say they never did the, yeah, the, they never the third it, book, so like don't, so don't do no. it, don't do it to yourself. I won't, yeah. I won't. So that would kill me. Um, but either way, whether she's seeing the past or the future, uh, it's happened enough time that she can manage like not to pass out and like talk herself herself through mm-hmm. it. So it's probably been happening quite a bit. <laughs> no, but also yeah. like it's happening a lot then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This seems uh, like the first time, though, that she's seen something that happened. Like she finds out later that it did actually happen. Yes, maybe so, not. Yeah. But like this seems, it seems like it is because she was so surprised when he came back, and it was like she's like, "Oh, you burned it," even though she couldn't see under his mm-hmm. bandage. Well, that's true. Um, but yeah, somewhere else in the bunker, Lucy's studying the written house manifesto, uh, and Moyat sits down and asks her. Uh, like she, he finally asked her, like, okay, what did they put you through? Uh, and Lucy just, nope's. <laughs> yeah, because Gia's totally ratted even, her out. Yeah, <laughs> she totally evades she was the like, question. She's not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, and she gets like quite defensive. Uh, yeah, because like she's like, so she's spying on me. And but when you think about it, you know, she's just whatever they put her through, which probably was not fun. Um, she was probably spied on 
constantly. Oh, yeah. No, they have her under pretty close watch, I'm sure. So, like, knowing that someone, even if it's a friend, like, read it out to another friend, mm -hmm. that's probably triggering some stuff for sure. Well, and, like, I wonder, too, if Gia said something because they're so worried about Gia that she's like, you should be worried about Lucy, too, not just me. <laughs> that, too. It's going to deflect, yeah. Yeah, not just deflect, but also be like, yeah, like, I, I'm a concern, but <laughs> you should probably also be concerned about the other person in the room, too. Yeah, well, I, I do think that Wyatt is mostly concerned about Lucy. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, of course, Lucy goes, I'm fine. We all know what that means. Uh, she's not fine. <laughs> yeah. It's the telltale sign. Like, I'm fine means I'm not fine, but stop talking about it. <laughs> um, I noticed something, I mean since last week really but like lucy looks very pale compared to last uh, last season and i kind of like that because you can argue that probably the six weeks she was imprisoned sort of at the mm -hmm. ridden house place like she probably didn't see the sun a whole lot uh there might have been some like food deprivation they starved her a little to make her more compliant you know that type of thing so yeah i'm sure she it's not the healthiest that she's been Physically yeah. or mentally, ever. Yeah. Um. True. Yeah. Um. Lucy gets lucky though, because the alarms go off, so that kind of deflects. Uh, the mothership jumped, but they—I mean, they know when, but they have no idea why. Yeah, because uh, they're like, uh. There's nothing, nothing in South happened. Carolina <laughs> in that time. like Yeah. Which I think, I'm assuming that's going to be going forward. We see more of that because they're obviously not jumping to important events anymore. They're jumping to their sleeper agents. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. They're also at key, like, in some at key we'll events, see, but yeah. like, not necessarily not, yeah, that what you would like think important. of as a key yeah. event. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, since they're so in the dark, because like their only option at this point is just to pick a direction and walk, uh, which is not exactly uh, efficient. Lucy ventured that maybe someone else could help them, and uh, <laughs> Rufus and uh, Wyatt are just nope, not <laughs> happy about that. Which you know, fair. Uh. But then again, no one has a better idea. So Denise and Lucy go say hi to Flynn. Uh, that's an interesting scene with Flynn. Like, mm -hmm. he's not there long, but he, he's got some good impact. He dishes yeah. some uh, some ugly truth. Um, and I like that he points out that Lucy does not look well. Yeah. Um, Neither does he, so they're kind of in the same boat. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair. Um, they points out how, you know, she was raised by her mother, um, and that if Lucy wants to end what they started, like her mom at some point is gonna need to be killed, and like, can she do that? Uh, and I think if you compare to the first season, like, Lucy's definitely harder. 
Like, she's not yeah. taking any of his shit. Like, she's a lot less... Well, I think he's less scary now, too. Not, like, scary, but, like, he's less than a menacing. Yeah. yeah. He's, not, he's not exactly a threat at this point. Yeah. Because he's kind of in prison. Um, and they also need him. Um, but also, like, Lucy's been through some stuff, so, like, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot of fucks to give anymore. Um, but eventually, you know, he reluctant, reluct, well, not reluctantly, because she starts walking away and he kind of has no choice but to call him back with an address. And he says it's for free this time, but the next time he wants out. So the team gets ready to jump. They're not happy about the new wardrobe prop department. Uh, <laughs> no more wardrobe. Yeah. They get a... Um, Costumes from Old Navy and uh, police badge from the dollar store or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's at this point that Denise comes back with the info on the address that it's the address of a certain Ryan Millerson. And Wyatt goes into full-blown fan mode. Uh, he's like, what? He, Ryan Millerson? Like, he's one of the greatest NASCAR, NASCAR driver of all times. Uh, and like nobody else knows about them. Like who? Yeah, that would be me. I, I know very little about NASCAR. So I, this episode I, was like half the, the stuff I'm telling you in the history minute. I have no clue what it means. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. The <laughs> only thing I know about NASCAR is that they drive around a circle. That's yeah. No, I mean I know like some of the drivers and stuff like that. And like I was, I'm from the south, so like NASCAR is a big thing where I'm from. It just wasn't a big thing for me or my family. <laughs> And so we, uh, I remember whenever I was like in elementary school and Jeff Gordon's trailer stopped at the gas station in our town to get gas and it was like a huge deal. <laughs> like, that's, uh, I remember stuff like that, but I don't, I don't know. I remember the, you know, like Dale Earnhardt's big wreck. That's about it. No, I don't even know who, like, that means absolutely zero yeah. to me. Like, um what i do love it's like it's a nice reversal of roles because like wyan is the one with all the historical knowledge the yeah the and lucy's like what <laughs> yeah that's fun and even like later we'll see like wyan is the wyatt is the the one who's like fan being a fanboy through the entire thing yeah it's really cute uh but yeah that's where we cut to the credits Yep, and then we come back and we're at the Rittenhouse compound and Carol's checking in on Keynes and she tells him they're working on their plan and he's just being very eccentric. Uh, yeah. He has printed out all of Wikipedia. He's something. Uh, can't use the tablet. He's painting a But also a like, painting. <laughs> first of all, like, R.I.P. the rainforest because all of mm -hmm. Wikipedia. Uh, but someone on IMDb like pointed out that if he actually printed all of it Wikipedia how like, like rooms <laughs> exactly <laughs> so maybe he thinks he printed all of Wikipedia and Carol takes him at his word but um yeah. but yeah he, yeah he's, he's, he's asking something. for pickled eggs yeah <laughs> which sound like gross yeah I'm sure it was like a thing probably back in 1918 but um no, but he like 
Carol's just kind of like going along with it. She's like annoyed by it. You can tell, but she's oh, she's just like, so oh. annoyed. <laughs> uh, she's it's like, like he wants this, you know, like, like viola or something like that. Yeah, yeah viola or victrola, Yo, like a, victrola. A yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's the old, it's the record player with the big horn. Like, oh, okay, I yeah, didn't know that was that's what he wants. And it, he has a list of music. So he gave them a playlist <laughs> that you could make on Spotify. <laughs> but he wants the records. Well, no, because he doesn't be want to look at the glowing window. He doesn't want to look at the glowing window. So <laughs> You don't have to. You can just stick it on a speaker and not look at it. That's what a playlist is. <laughs> Fair. Um, no, he won't what he's used to. Yeah. So, like yeah, he's... Temper tantrum. Yeah, basically. He's being very uh, demanding. But, uh, and he's also, he's doing a very, like, lovely painting of his, I guess it was, he said it was his daughter's, it'd be Carol's daughter, Carol's mother. mother. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you can tell he has some type of artistic ability. Yes. Uh, which we see later. But uh, in 1955, back, back then, the team goes to Millerson's house and they meet the wife who tells them that uh, other reporters were already there. But Ryan's at the track getting ready for the big race at the Darlington 500. And so they head to the racetrack. And at the racetrack, so they Wyatt figure is figure out that the, the two other reporters were Emma and... Uh, oh, yeah, they yeah they figure out that uh, that's Emma one was of the redhead with freckles and an evil smile or something like that. <laughs> I think it's how Lucy described her. Maybe not there, but later. Yeah. But um, yeah, so they get to the racetrack and Wyatt is just over the moon. And people are even looking at him like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> um, which I think at a car rally, like at a race, you would have other people too in this same thing. So I don't think he would have been that out of place. Uh, but Rufus is kind of pushed around. Um, by I, I, I do love that dude. they uh, both like Rufus and, and Lucy, they both tease him and like yeah, Rufus calls like, him like a stone cold nerd. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they like they're having fun with it. Mm-hmm. But that's when Rufus kind of gets like shoved around a little bit by a white dude, and he's very much like, "Oh, yep, race is south. We're here again." Um, yeah. But about that time, somebody comes flying out of a tent, followed by a black race car driver. So we get introduced to Wendell Scott, and Wyatt is like, "We got to go help him." And Lucy's like, "Listen, Lucy's wife energy in this episode is everything." Like, no, not toward the fighting. <laughs> yeah, no, he was like, oh, she's like, ah. <laughs> here we are again. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, but... when, when, sorry, finish. Oh, good. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, Wendell Scott, with, who is like, we see our, all of our guests are very early on in this episode. Mm-hmm. So Wendell Scott is played by Joseph Lee Anderson. Who played uh, Rocky Johnson in Young Rock? So, um, The Rock's father. Yeah, I think like, so. Yeah. Uh, he was also in SWAT and he was in the season two finale of Chicago PD. Yep, he was Commander Perry's nephew that got yep. in some trouble. Really? A little bit, yeah. Uh, he was also in an episode of uh, Blue Bloods and NCIS. I think yep. he said. His NCIS episode is one of my favorite episodes with Gibbs. So it starts out there at Arlington, and Arlington is the cemetery where, like, soldiers and mm-hmm. other service members are buried, uh, the Tomb of the Old Men, so it was there and stuff like that. But their processions usually have a horse with a saddleless rider, 
and the boots are stuck backwards. And so like when they, they see this horse running through the cemetery and they get him, they look in the boots and there's feet in it. So that starts the big mystery, but they track it down to a veteran homeless camp where they meet his character. Um, and it's a really good episode about like veteran mental health and like where Congress was at at the time, like talking about, you know, how many veterans end up homeless and things like that. It was a really good episode. Hmm. Um, so if you ever go back and watch it, that one's a good one to watch. Interesting. Yep. And he plays kind of the main person that they're talking to throughout the episode. So he has a big part in it. But uh, so our history minute is Wendell Scott. Um, I, like I said, know almost next to nothing about NASCAR, but had not heard of him either. Um, so he Honestly, was born until, August 29th. Until what? we got like to doing it with the pod, it didn't even somehow register that he could be an actual person because NASCAR is mm -hmm. so foreign. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. so uh, like uh, foreign to me that you know that was all fiction <laughs> yeah i don't know so i had i say i hadn't heard of him i had in a sense i knew who he was because my son loves cars uh. and, like the the show or the movie and in the third one they have um river scott who was based on him so they oh. changed his first name but um yeah so he was part of the the crew that Cruise and lightning go back to to learn how to like get back to the roots doc hudson learned from and stuff like that and they talk nice. about running moonshine and things like that and of course lightning mcqueen didn't get it at first and so they're like the moon was always shining on this and he's like, <laughs> what and they're like we ran moonshine dummy and so i knew who he was from that oh That's nice it. but um they they fit they featured like four um nascar like racers as the cars well not four okay they did three and then Smokey was based after a real person too Smokey was like their their um teacher basically mm -hmm. um but they had louise nash who was based on louise smith who was one of the first female drivers um they had junior moon who was based on junior johnson who's a hall of famer um as well with nascar and then they had river scott who was based off Wendell Scott so I did know who he was in that sense but I couldn't have told you anything else about him other than he obviously at some point ran moonshine <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so if you watch cars they did go into that but That's um, interesting. yeah so uh he was born though August 29 1921 in Danville Virginia and during World War II he was part of the 101st Airborne working as a mechanic uh which was a trade he continued when he returned home he opened his own auto shop at some point, um, but also he drove a taxi and ran moonshine as side jobs. And in 1943, he married Mary Coles, and they would go on to have seven, seven children together. Uh, he was caught speeding and lost his chauffeur's license. Um, someone else, There was also another article that said he was indicted for moonshining, like moonshine running. Um, but that actually is what led to his racing career. So a local promoter came to Danville looking for black men to race against the white racers that were already on the circuits. And the police pointed them towards Scott <laughs> because he'd been caught uh, racing and could outrun them sometimes. But uh, Scott had already been interested in racing to begin with. He said if he ever got the chance, he wanted to race. And so he agreed to compete. Um, the dates here seem to vary. So um, the Wendell Scott Foundation 
said it started in 1947. Others said 1949. There's even one that said like early 50s. So sometime, I think, in the late 40s, uh, for sure. He participated in his first race at Danville Fairgrounds. He came in third and received a payout of $50. And then in 1951, he started his professional career, but was actually denied entry into NASCAR for another two years until an official finally gave him the license to race in NASCAR. He debuted in a modified division where he placed 17 out of 18 and was paid $50. So um, money was tight and he was trying to make a living out of racing. So um, he didn't have sponsorships like the other cars would. So uh, Ryan Millerson mentions at one point he was sponsored i think by chevy he never had that luxury he bought he would buy used cars repair them himself with his children and um finally after a decade of racing he was able to enter a grand national level race of nascar in 1961 in his rookie season he was points leader with 4726 points but rookie of the year was actually given to his competitor who had 3580 points so significantly less than he did Mm -hmm. um today the points are determined determine who is rookie of the year um but at the time it was just whoever they decided was going to be rookie of the year and so you can probably understand why um he was not given that honor and this was hardly the last slight scott would receive as the sport as the sport's first black driver throughout his career he and his family were turned away from hotels restaurants and other accommodations because of their race he was subjected to numerous inspections, disqualifications, and changes in payouts. In more dangerous circumstances, his tires were slashed in a way that would have caused a blowout on the track instead of a flat. His son was injured when a lit firecracker was thrown at him by a fan, or by a spectator, really. And Scott was given a hallucinogen and a drink by a spectator after a race. Uh, being in the South in the 60s was his own danger. He was driving late one night when he came across a Ku Klux Klan roadblock. And he was allowed to pass only because what he said, he thought it was his lighter skin tone. Um, They didn't think he was black. They thought he was white. And so they let him keep driving. Um, So there was a lot of uh, just living there at the time was dangerous. It wasn't just racing. Um, Still, he carried on. Uh, What should have been his greatest victory actually ends up being one of his biggest upsets and humiliations of his career. On December 1st, 1963, he was telling Richard Petty in second place at Speedway Park in Jacksonville, Florida. The track was rutted and Petty's steering column was damaged, allowing Scott to take the lead. Uh, That race was like, it was taking out cars left and right because there were a bunch of ruts on the track. Um, He was two laps ahead of the now second place, Buck Baker, whom he had waved at every time he passed, so twice. Um, And when the race was called after Baker completed his final two laps, after completed his laps two after scott did so basically when he crossed the finish line when he should have won they didn't wave the checkered flag they waited till baker did two laps later um and it was baker who was declared the winner and given the trophy on the stand their reasoning for this was race officials refused to give the trophy to scott on the stand because traditionally there would be a beauty queen on the podium who the winner would kiss on the cheek, and they refused to let Scott do so because they believed it would cause a riot if a black man publicly kissed a white beauty queen, and they didn't want that on their hands. Um, there's probably a, also just the fact they didn't want to give it to him. Yeah. Because um, they could just have him, like, not that it's right, but 
You know, you yeah. can also have not kissed her. Like, you just <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I found somewhere that said later that Scott had said he wouldn't have kissed her anyway. He was just shaking her hand, which, yeah. to me, that seems more respectful anyway. Yeah, but, but that was the 60s, the 60s, so. Yeah. Um, After the race was over, the officials had a two-hour meeting behind closed doors, and they ended up giving Scott the money, uh, but not the victory, basically. Um, he was given a basically block of wood in place of a trophy at the next race in Savannah as a replacement for the trophy he should have received in Jacksonville, um, which was pretty much a humiliation for him. Okay. Nearly 60 years later, NASCAR gave his family a replica of the trophy he should have won that day, but Scott never saw that amends made during his lifetime. I guess it's something, but it's about 60 years too late, yeah. Yeah. Um, still, he continued to race. His sons were often his pit crew. They believe they are likely the first black men to lead a pit crew in NASCAR, um, though NASCAR apparently doesn't keep track of those records. Other racers also helped him from time to time. Ned Jarrett was one that's all being mentioned several times. And he did gain a fan base among white spectators for his underdog spirit. In 1973, Scott borrowed money to buy a new car for the first time in his career. He'd be racing a brand new vehicle. Um, unfortunately, on lap 10 of his first race with the car at Talladega, a competitor's engine blew, spilling oil all over the track and causing a huge pileup, including Scott's car. His car was totaled and he was injured. Um, he injured his kidney, broke several bones, including his pelvis, and he really didn't race much after that. Um, and he ultimately retired. And then in 1990, he passed from complications with spinal cancer, but his legacy did live on through his children, who... Um, through a foundation that was founded by his grandson Warwick, uh, started in his name, help children in underserved communities receive an education. It's called the Wendell Scott Foundation. Uh, the foundation has also sponsored drivers such as Raja Karuth, one of two black drivers currently competing. Um, Ruth also received a Wendell Scott Trailblazer Award in 2021, uh, which is named in honor of Scott. In 2023, the award was given to Lanny Buse Weiss, um, a female driver who I think she's only 16, uh, wow. who finished out the year second in points on the NASCAR home track for her division. Uh, Scott was inducted in the International Motorsports Hall of Fame in 1999, and NASCAR recognized Scott in its Hall of Fame uh, 2015 class. Uh, NASCAR also honors Scott by putting a decal on the cars on the first race in March. So I guess if you're listening to this and you watch NASCAR, look out for that uh, on the cars coming up in this next race that's in March. So, yeah. Cool. That is Wendell Scott. It's like, but, it's like he was a trailblazer, but um, like sort of, I, I don't know if I would say unwillingly, but um, I guess because of i think at the time a lot of people who are considered trailblazers now don't they don't consider themselves trailblazers mm -hmm. when it's happening they're just doing something because they want to do it and exactly. they might be the first to do it and that's just what it is yeah but yeah it's 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 really sad like you know like you say he finally managed to get a, like a brand new car and just totals it and gets hurt in the process it's it sucks yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where it's just like you you hate to see things like that happen because you mm -hmm. know like you want to root for the guy who's pushing forward and pushing boundaries for sure. um but nascar wrecks are like 
infamous for being really bad too so um and then also there were a few things i found about the darlington racetrack so it was the project of a man named harold brassington um he started building it in the late 40s after he went to a Indy 500 in the 30s. He wanted to build this track in the middle of nowhere to kind of attract people to that area. Everybody kind of thought he was crazy, but he bought an old cotton field and he set about designing this racetrack that was supposed to be a traditional oval. However, there was a minnow pond that the farmer who sold him the cotton field owned and minnow farms were like very precious. You couldn't you couldn't destroy a minnow pond. So they um, adjusted the track, making it more egg-shaped than oval-shaped. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it really hard for the drivers to prepare their cars because you have a wide turn and a tight turn. And so the very first race, um, a guy from California put truck tires on his car because he knew the track was just going to eat it up. And so when everybody else was basically like, running their tires raw, having to change tires a lot to the point where their pit crews were having to buy tires from spectators <laughs> to keep in the race. Uh, he actually kept going and didn't have to. And so he won the race that way. But um, it's known as the lady in black because they put road asphalt on the track before every race. So it's a darker color. And then um, they would have people drive on it to lay rubber on the track to make it have more traction. And then um, they also, like, um, lost where it was. Oh, they also call it the track that can't be tamed because it's pretty notorious for taking out cars. Like, you'll have, like, a perfect lap, and then you'll be, like, completely wiped out the next lap. Um, But it's a pretty interesting – it's still running. Like, it's one of the two oldest – like, the second oldest, I think, racetrack. It's still in – existence from the originals is it still like uh, on the, on the nascar ever... yeah it's still a nascar oh, yeah. circuit um i don't believe that it was ever a dirt track i believe it was always meant to be a paved track so uh that's the only thing that i think is a little bit different about the episode and they didn't call it the da- uh, the darlington 500 they called it the southern 500 so but that's probably copyrighted yeah maybe but anyway so um back to our episode why it manages to get the guys off scott and then proceeds to kind of like fanboy over him he's like oh my gosh i'm meeting wendell scott um we will be there <laughs> yeah I think so right scott there. shows him where they hide he hides the moonshine in his trunk and gives some to wyatt and wyatt's like oh yeah and lucy's like uh no <laughs> <laughs> like i said like wife it's like i'll yep. take that <laughs> yep. so uh they introduce themselves and then uh, they want to be introduced to Millerson, and uh, Scott goes to find someone to watch his car, and Rufus kind of explains the nod he gave whenever he yeah. was shaking his hand because Scott didn't see it uh, or didn't understand it. And uh, it's the first appearance of the nod, it's gonna, it's gonna be a thing. Oh, it keeps going. No, I no, I mean in in the episode. Oh, in the episode, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So he explains that. Uh, and then Lucy and Wyatt also kind of give some historical context of like what's going on with the with the car dealers and stuff like that and why they think that Rittenhouse might be there, I think, is when they get uh, I think it's more about um like 
the the story about Scott like winning the Grand National, but like oh yeah, that's what they fight, yeah. 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 The the Which thing also, about if the... you notice in the background of a couple of the shots when they show like the podium where the officials are, mm -hmm. there's always a girl staying in a red bathing suit holding the trophy. She's okay. and she has the sash on. That's so I don't know if there if don't know if she would actually have been at every race, like a beauty queen at every race, but I'm sure that was a nod to like what happened to him yeah. as well. Probably. Um so yeah, uh Wendell returns and takes them to Millerson's tent. And on the way, we get a little bit of surprising background on Wyatt. He was uh, a bootlegger. He was, yeah, I don't think he was bootlegging. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> he was drug running. He, yes, exactly. <laughs> and like, but like, so he, like, he was basically a drug mule at 15. Um, and like, the thing is, the way he talks, like, is he talking about pot or is he talking about stronger stuff? Because I'm not I was sure. Thinking stronger stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of the vibe I got too. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I, I guess uh... I guess when you when you learn what you learned later, like he, he had to have to make sense, money yeah. in some ways, yeah. but like, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I think it's interesting for him to have that. Oh, we totally glazed over the fact that uh, Rufus also called Scott uh, or, uh, Han Solo. Oh, yes. Like he he won this in the 12 parsecs. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, that's a great reference. I mean, I you know, um, like, I got that. It, like, he says it's a Star Wars reference. I got that. But then, like, you know, Star Wars references just kind of go way over my oh, head. Oh, no, I, I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I thought, I thought about it. Like, well, because Han Solo is a smuggler. Yeah. Like, that's why. He's a smuggler yeah. and he also raced the Millennium Falcon and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I, I didn't even know anything about it. Like, I, I heard the Star Wars reference. I'm like, it's good. Heather's going to yeah. be over it. Like, <laughs> fun fact a parsec, I believe, is actually a measure of distance, not time. If you say so, so. <laughs> winning in 12 parsecs is kind of a weird way to say it, unless the parsecs change the distance. Um, I think they actually explain that in a different movie, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the team starts talking to Ryan, and he's like, no, I haven't noticed anybody around here. Hmm. And so Rufus is tinkering around with the car, and he's like, do you know there's a bomb in your car? And Ryan pulls a gun. So. Yeah. Like the beginning, it's <laughs> like, it's Ryan, like, I don't know anything. It's like, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. No, he, like, up until that point, it was kind of a surprise, because you didn't suspect anything with the way they did the intro. For sure, yeah. But uh, when he pulls the gun on them and the team notices, Emma comes in uh, with her goon, and they've basically got everybody cornered, and they're about to kill them. And when a smoke yep. bomb goes off, well, something uh, that's uh, interesting here, like the the guy with the gun. Uh, wait, because it's not just what I'm having a blank. She comes in, she comes in with her, yeah, with her goon, you said. So it's the goon that she orders him to kill uh, everyone, including Lucy. But, like, he he's very hesitant about that. Like, so you can, you can tell, like. Well, she's out for blood anyway. For oh, yeah. Lucy. yeah. Oh, like totally. Because even Ryan's like, why are they here? And she's like, I don't care, kill them. Like, <laughs> uh, I think he wants to find out first. Yeah, but that but... goes to show that. Carol is like very respected and like almost feared within Rittenhouse. Yeah, and Emma has none of that respect for her. Yeah, she has zero respect. She's but she's like ultimately she's 
she became like pretty high ranked in mm-hmm. because she has she she's able to give that order and the dude has no choice but to listen yeah comply yeah yeah so the smoke bomb goes off and Wendell gets him out and in the car they're like off racing um there's more nodding from Rufus which Wait, is not awesome. yet me <laughs> yeah he's like why are you nodding at me um which is it, it over the course of the episode it does it makes a good uh bonding experience between them because yes. there really wasn't from there wasn't a lot for them to talk about together because it was mostly about Wyatt yes like this was a Wyatt episode uh, um but they will talk about it later like they they do have a great bonding moment later mm-hmm. uh, yeah and so um scott tells them he's known ryan for about six years uh kind of came out of nowhere other than that so da 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 that gives us some clue yeah um and because Wyatt is also like i had a poster of him on my wall like this doesn't make any sense like yeah because he was planted and now you have memories of him that are fake yeah um but, but like like uh, lucy says no he's a communist and yeah he's a communist and they're with the government and they're commie hunters <laughs> um and so because at first they were the police and now they're working for the government so they yeah. just kind of keep going with it i mean um, gotta do what you gotta do yeah but somebody's messed with uh scott's car so he goes to his garage and they kind of start talking about Millerson and like, like I said, why it's like, but I knew, like, I know who this guy is. I had a poster of him on the wall and they're like, no, like time travel rules. Um, so it, what's interesting here is that like they planted him in the forties. It's 46, I guess, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But since. I guess since he was planted and Emma hasn't come back to make sure that he explodes they continue and he wins daytona in 59 like i feel like that doesn't quite make so much sense. yeah yeah there's i feel like it would have been more like oh why it was like oh he was this big up-and-coming racer when his car blew up unexpectedly and killed a bunch of people at this race like you said they haven't it hasn't happened yet it hasn't happened because they haven't gone back so in that timeline then he would have kept on racing yeah, it's it's like the it's whole a little like, bit yeah. thing. It's yeah, it's a little bit like shaky, I guess. What's well, kind of um, like the is is Gia, you know, seeing, seeing the, the past or, or the, the future? future. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. You can, like you said, like it's a little bit. You could if his mission. The thing wobbly. is, if his mission was sent back to blow up at this race, then it was should have always happened. So I think that's what's kind of odd. Unless they just planted him because they were like, at some point we want you here. And we don't know exactly how we're going to use you yet. That could be. And it, he lives in the, what Wyatt remembers is him living out his life without ever being activated as a sleeper agent. Yeah. Like that would be what make, I guess the only other way it makes sense is that he was just never activated in Wyatt's memory. I mean, that that's the that beauty timeline. about, uh, you know, time travel yeah, series you is that you can kind of, yeah, exactly. You can kind of yeah. make things up as you go. Um, yeah, so um, Wyatt basically figures out that the leaders of like all the car manufacturers that are in Detroit right now are going to be at this race, and Millerson's car is going to blow up and take out all of those people so that Rittenhouse can take over the car companies. Um, meanwhile, back at the bunker, Denise and Mason are arguing because Mason wants to attend a tech symposium. <laughs> 
Like that I, was out of nowhere, yeah. It was. I feel like it's like they needed to continue Mason's like relevancy and him feeling uh, in irrelevant, basically. And so I get it, but yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere too. But um, do, she's like, learn, I you cannot. Think, did we? Did we know that Mason took the blame for the explosion? I think that's this is the first we've heard of it because I yeah. kind of thought he was in hiding with them. Last yes. episode. So no, I guess um, so they probably he is not in hiding. Yeah, they probably spun a story of like it was an accident, but it was Mason's fault or something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like basically he's like, yeah, my we did something wrong and my building exploded, presumably with people in it. Which is a lot of blame to take when you think about it, because a bunch yeah. of people died. Yeah, and then apparently the government seized his assets. It's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so back to 1955 again. Uh, Emma's talking to Ryan, and she's questioning basically his loyalty and his commitment because he decided to get married and have a baby while on a suicide mission, knowing he was going to have to at some point... Uh, die in an explosion in his car which is why i think the timeline wyatt remembers is kind of weird like if yeah. she hadn't mentioned that he was always going to do this that was kind of weird but um yeah so he's basically like well i don't really love her she was just fun until y'all got okay back. but I but think okay if, it, if it's okay that's the that's the loopy thing too because so she mentions he was on the suicide, suicide mission but if they would remember the explosion in the present, then why would Rittenhouse send Emma back to activate it? Yeah. Because yeah, that would have already yeah. happened and went well. So, like, by going back, then yeah. they make the team I go like back. It's, like, it gets it's messy. Yeah, yeah, it gets messy. Um, so so you have to decide one way. Yeah, you, you have to yeah. decide to do it one way or the other and, and go with it. And I think that's kind of yeah. what they do. Yeah, there's a point where you just kind of have to go with it. But um, she's questioning his commitment, which I think is a theme now we have for Emma. <laughs> of, <laughs> uh, she feels like she's the most dedicated person there is, and everybody else is dumb. So I feel I mean, like by the she's, end of this, she's going to want to control Rittenhouse for herself. She's not entirely wrong, to be fair. <laughs> At this point, no. it looks like no, she's the you one. Can tell, well, and you can tell Millerson does really love his wife. Oh, yeah. Like, like she's try he's trying to play it as no no she's just like somebody yeah. to pass the time and the baby was an accident yeah. like you can tell he's just not yeah like and and maybe like that was like and that might be like when they activate sleeper agents they do go back and check to make sure they actually complete their missions because otherwise they might not carry them out that's true yeah so but also so. But maybe, like, maybe he did know it was going to be a suicide mission. Maybe he didn't know when. when. And so they have to activate him to actually give him the the end. Because when they drop them off, they don't know exactly what it is that they're going to have to do. Just yeah. that they're going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, it's time travel is complicated. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, we go back to uh, Wendell's garage and the team explains to him that there's a bomb in Ryan's car and that they need to go back to the track. But Wendell is like, yeah, it was hard enough getting you guys out. Like, I'm not getting you guys back in. Uh, and Rufus tries to be helpful so that, you know, he helps Wendell, Wendell helps them. 
But instead of fixing uh, Wendell Scar, he ends up bursting something and there's a bunch of steam that comes out and he gets burned on his arm. The same type of burn, the same place that Gia saw. Yeah. Uh, it looks nasty. Like yeah. That looked painful. Um, and like Wendell's done. He kicks them out of his garage, but not before Wyatt in the commotion managed to steal a little piece of the engine, puts him in, puts it in his pocket. It's good old old navy pockets. Um <laughs> uh and back in the present we draw back on Mason, who is at the symposium despite Dennis's instructions. And he's accosted by one of his competitors, who's about as much of an obnoxious jackass as Mason is. Yeah, maybe more. Um, yeah, we see old we see old Mason in the new guy. Who yep, he's basically like making fun of Mason, but uh, yeah, yeah, you can tell Mason's not very happy about it, but he's still like, "Well, I'm presenting first. So he's trying to be uh, <laughs> confident to, I guess, yeah, uh, inspire confidence too, because he needs. He's gonna need some money, so yeah. Um, but right where we go, right back to Wendell's garage, where Wyatt goes in alone, uh, and he fixed the little fuel filter that he stole. Um, and while Wyatt kind of assists him in putting it back in the engine, like I know nothing about cars, you guys. Um, they have a little bonding moment. They talk about their dads, and we get some more background on Wyatt's childhood because we knew that. His dad was not. Yeah, we knew his grandpa great, Sherman yeah. was like the guy who he saw as raising him. Yeah, basically. But now we we understand why. So like Wyatt's dad was fully abusive. Mm-hmm. Uh would you know, beat him, uh force him to fix his car, like he would mess something up with he, he had like a forgot what kind of car it was, but had a car He's that like he really Chevy. Yeah. That he really put him loved. in the trunk and drive till it broke, and then he'd make Wyatt fix it. Exactly until he could go home. Yeah, yep. and eventually Wyatt ran away at fifteen. So when he started running drugs, I guess, uh, stole his dad's car and drove it into a lake. Yep. And I don't know. I'm kind of hoping he kind of went to live with his grandpa Sherwin after that. Yeah, I feel like that could have happened. Uh, but yeah, there was basically him and his dad, and um, so like Wendell kind of you know, they have that nice exchange because Wendell's dad was a kind of like a beat dad who abandoned them because he was too much of a gambler, and that was more important to him than his family. So, yeah, I guess, yay, yeah, <laughs> that was fun, but it's funny because. You know, it's it's a very serious and sad, like, both of them probably had, like, very hard childhoods. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're still very light about it. Yeah, you can tell, like, they've, I wouldn't say, like, fully recovered from it, but they're at a place. Yeah, they've moved on. They're kind of they're, over yeah, it. They've, they've yeah, made they've, peace. They've made yeah, they've made peace with peace it. With it. Um, but then Lucy and Rufus, Rufus, oh my God, Lucy and Rufus come in and you can tell like they caught the last bit of, uh, Wyatt's story at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the car is fixed. So I guess on 
this time, Wyatt was a better engineer than Rufus was. Um, and I guess that cheered Wendell enough that he agrees to take them back to the track. And Lucy uh, points out, that's great, thank you, but how? Yeah. And Wendell says that Rufus will ride with him in the front, and Lucy and Wyatt are going to go another way. And that other way is inside the trunk, which I'm glad that didn't give, now that I think about it, I'm glad that didn't give uh, Wyatt any flashbacks. Um, I know, I was sitting there thinking when I was watching, (laughs) I was like, neither of them would be very comfortable in this situation. (laughs) No, but you know, they made the most of it. They did. (laughs) Um, And honestly, it's it's cute. Uh, Because like Lucy, she's, you know, she's trying to go with it. it. There's a good callback to her being claustrophobic, which we learned about early on. Um, and like I also trapped in a car, also, yeah, not the trunk, but also, um, uh, and that's when Wendell and Rufus have their little bonding moment. Uh, and um, you can tell like Rufus wants to tell him more about like the fact that he's never going to be allowed a victory because they haven't talked about that with him yet. Um, and I was just I was just thinking, watching it, um, it says a lot that they can bond over being like two black men in America, even though their experience is 60 years apart. Mm-hmm. It says a lot and it doesn't say a whole lot of good things. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Uh, but then we switch to the trunk and <sighs> let's get Wait, let me stretch out a little before I can get into it. Yeah, my notes just say, let Helen have this. Because <laughs> uh, Lucy is doing her best to handle, handle her anxiety about being in the trunk. <clears throat> so she and Wyatt get uh, close. And like, Wyatt goes like, why don't you hang on to me? And like, I see you. I see you, Master Session. Logan, like, you're trying to get any excuse to get close to Lucy. I see you. <laughs> Uh, they, yeah. They they talk about his dad and her mom because at the end of the day they're sort of similar experience but years apart because like it's fresh for Lucy, but Wed has moved on so he has like a different perspective. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's I love. It's not just like the physical uh closeness. They're emotionally they're close because he's supporting her. They're sharing that experience. And she fully trusts him. And on the other side, he's he validates her feeling. He understands them, but he also provides like the different perspective and the support. It's just so good. He's so mm-hmm. soft with her. And That's I love a really them. good, really good scene. Yeah, and they're like you know in a box basically. <laughs> it's forced proximity at its finest. Yep. <laughs> um, they finally make to the track, and so there's a little thing where Wendell has to get them through security uh and I love how like the recurring theme of like um you know uh, Rufus said it I think that was episode three where the fact that he's being black he's basically invisible uh and that's kind of you know that's kind of the thing here because like all Wendell has to say is um 
You know, no, he's been with me the whole time. Like, don't you remember him? And that's yeah. all it takes. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty common ruse, though. But he does like he does give like the we're not all we don't all look alike or something like that. Yes, uh, line which you do uh, hear people say a lot in oh, racist yeah. terms. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they have a little bit of a fake out when you think, oh, they're going to open the trunk and see why I'm see. But no, because mm-hmm. they're hidden. Um, and then that's that's the moment where, you know, Wendell starts the car again. There's a big bump. So uh, Wyatt lands basically on top of Lucy, almost. And they get so close and it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's like you can see, like, Lucy just like starting to stroke his face and he's got like both his arm fully around her. And they're so close. Can can someone just let them kiss? It was Gianna's episode. (laughs) Maybe it does. I'm not saying anything, even though I want to. Um, but like it's the second time when you're watching it, the first time you're like, but let them kiss. For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, and like, you know, they get interrupted by Rufus and Wendell. And like, at this point, I'm like, just, you know what? I don't care. Just let Millerson blow everything up. Just let them be together. Okay. Please. I don't even yeah. care. <laughs> just let them the make ca- out. In them the going, oh, sorry to intrude or something like that was really funny. <laughs> um, that's kind of like, even more than Gia last episode, because she had definitely saw... Like, they're not subtle about it mm-hmm. at all. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, Rufus was already in on it. Like, he's just called out Wyatt in the premiere. Right yeah. away. Um, oh, yeah. Right away. Yeah, yeah. So now Gia knows too. Uh, I guess Wendell's part of it, but matters a little <laughs> less. Um... But anyway, yeah, that was just, it's, ugh. I really love that. Anyway, uh, we got to Ryan, and his wife is here to visit. Surprise! Emma went and got her for insurance. Because basically, he, once the wife goes, uh, Emma tells Ryan that uh, she'll kill his wife if he doesn't get the mission done. So she's full evil yeah which we already which, knew i but... mean i know she, i feel like she really knows how to like use people's weaknesses against them but oh, also yeah. at the same time like i don't think that woman lived past that race oh like, no matter what she either was... way yeah uh, no, they they did say it they did say it like from the very first scene yeah like she was gonna need another coffin basically exactly like yeah that kid was never gonna be born uh which do you think she did? Yeah. I don't think she left that tent after he died. Huh. Oh. Yeah, that's bleak. Yeah, no, I don't think Emma, Emma's not the type to let loose ends be straggling about. No, I'm afraid you're right. Oh, well. Especially because there'd be a kid that someday he wants to know like what actually happened and starts mm-hmm. like, looking around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's sad. Um. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, we 
we go back to I don't know exactly where they are at this point. They're looking at the stand. Are they under the stands? They're or in another tent. They're somewhere, I don't know. yeah. I'm They're really not somewhere sure where they're on at. the track, and so they're trying to come up with a plan to stop the bombing. And uh, Wendell and Wayne just start talking to each other. Uh, so I try to look up what everything meant. I have no idea. Uh, it's like No. it's cold, so I'll Casper you head in and rip a cherry, and then make a snow angel and go to church. And at this point, I'm fully with Lufus and Ryan. I think they're having a stroke. That makes Yeah, no I sense. think. I don't know. I know what a snow angel is, but that has nothing to do with cars. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. If anybody knows what that means, or if it's actually what Wyatt ends up doing at the end, please let us know, because I'd be very Yeah. curious. I, I want to play by play. Yeah, Oh, my I don't, uh, I've never, I mean, obviously I don't know anything about racing terms, but Yeah, I, 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 Google it, doesn't just show it, show it, so no, I try, I try I to don't know. Google like, like car racing slang and I'll even, I even like Googled the sentence. I got nothing or at least Yeah. nothing that came Made sense. remotely close to making Yeah. sense. But I love that like Lucy and Rufus are so confused because usually they're kind of like the smart ones in a way. Uh, so like <laughs> they're just talking to each other like you know what they're saying no I don't know do you know what they're saying Mm. nope no nope I I think they're making sense either that or they're having <laughs> a stroke I don't know <laughs> hard to tell yeah so um they go to Millerson's tent where he's being interviewed by a bunch of reporters he's talking up his Chevy um and he starts fighting with the Rittenhouse guy And there's all kinds of things going on, and Ryan jumps in the car, and Wyatt shoots him. Which I feel like his intention wasn't to kill him. Maybe it was. I don't know. There just it didn't seem to be like that. It was more like a I, oh shit, like I think he didn't know, but the thing is, so Ryan was starting to like arm the bomb. arm the bomb. Yeah, so he So did manage he to didn't. do that. He didn't really. I think he He didn't have Wyatt a choice knew to it that. either. Yeah, that Yeah. Ryan was doing that, or like maybe he was worried that he would actually set off the bomb. So that's Yeah. really all he could do. Yeah, so he did arm the bomb, but uh and Ryan gets shot and killed in the process. So Wyatt's in the front of the car now and the wife comes in screaming, followed by Emma, and they have no choice but to flee in the car. And Yeah, you're that right. ends a Like, great car chase. <laughs> it's yeah, I know. so good. I a hundred percent think what happened after that is Emma shot the wife and then it was blamed on Wyatt, some probably. Wyatt and them doing some kind of sabotage or something Yeah. um but anyway so they have a big car chase with Wyatt's best time ever uh they're It, just having having so so much much fun fun. um To the to the the tune of "You Can't Catch Me" by Chuck Berry, which is perfect. yes yeah it's a great song for this and the setting and everything but uh Wyatt's Like I like love, he starts laughing, and Rufus is like, "What "What is "What going are you on?" doing? Like, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh at one point Rufus is like this is a bomb in a car like you cannot hit a single bug and he's like oh we're gonna definitely hit some bugs and he's like well you can't hit they can't hit us <laughs> and he's like mm. <laughs> um but anyway you gotta they do what uh you gotta do. yeah they speed through town and 
uh, make it to Wendell's garage and Wyatt swings it around backs in and they close the door just as the cop comes by. He's just with an inch so, to, an inch in front of Wendell's car. It's so cool. Like it's the I think the bigger, like the highest of coolness for Wyatt. Like <laughs> Yeah. It's really cool. What what I really like about this car chase too is how light Wyatt is. Yeah. Like he's just having fun. And I feel Excited. like he's still riding the high from both finding Lucy and yeah. where he's at with Lucy. Cause like, okay, things things suck on the written house front, things suck. Um yeah. but on the personal side, like he's made peace with losing Jessica and not having been able yeah, to I save think, her. Yeah, that's yeah. Once and, like in that six weeks after like or however many months really like a two-month period where he's like okay i'm not getting her back um i don't know how yeah so i finally need to like confront this and move on yeah and then he realizes he obviously has feelings for lucy too and then there were there were those like very heavy six weeks where lucy was missing and then he finds her and then they're getting closer like you know they almost kiss like he's not stupid like there's Mm -hmm. feelings on both sides he knows exactly and he's just really happy. Yep. And then in the end, even Lucy starts laughing too, which is really good to see. Yeah. And so. Uh, and that's Abigail's just... laugh. That's Abigail's laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, which is like one thing, because this laugh, like it's a pretty recognizable laugh. You can, like she has a very specific laugh, right? Uh, and I started watching ex- uh, Extended Family, and this is not the laugh in Extended <laughs> Family. And I'm like, that's that that doesn't work for me. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that was like the first time she laughed in the series. I'm like, what is this? Where is it? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> this is not Abigail. Um, she has the best laugh. Oh uh, yeah, sorry. But yeah, keep going. so uh, Rufus disarms the bomb, uh, and that kind of finally earns him the nod from Wendell, who kind of respects him more after that. I feel like yeah. before that he kind of thought he was full of crap. Oh yeah, MIT and being an engineer and all that stuff because he like blew the engine up. But um, anyway, so Rufus is like, ah, it's gonna catch on. Don't worry. Um, but so uh, oh, um, speaking of, so as a white woman, I had no idea that it was actually a, a thing and it is a thing and it's uh maybe we can like like i found an article about about it mm-hmm. like how meaningful it is like it's not just uh at least from what i read like it it didn't talk about just being a way of acknowledging uh another black person like there's there's like a lot of history behind it because mm-hmm. i get i feel weird talking about it like because i can't really express yeah what it means but it, the article. yeah well, we'll yeah, like, even like article yeah like there's no way we could fully understand it even reading it no absolutely not um but you yeah, know it was i i love like again they they can't really get into it because i like i don't think it would fit the show to really go deep mm-hmm. uh in in that camp but i do love that they always have that touch like they acknowledge 
uh, all the racism and like through the entire, not, not just through this entire uh, episode, but through the entire show, there's always acknowledgement of how difficult it is for Rufus as a black man to be really anywhere mm-hmm. in history. Well, I feel like the last two episodes, particularly with Marie Curie and now with Wendell Scott, like they're showing, I mean, I would never call, like, I guess you would say Marie Curie is like famous. She won a Nobel Prize, too, mm-hmm. actually. But at the same time, like so many roadblocks are put in her path. It's people who, who didn't so, get the recognition they deserved yes, when, they when they did. Alive. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did get her recognition, but at the same time, like, they tried to take it away from her. So many times. Like, you know, so, like, and at the same time, they've taken away, you know, his Grand National Prize. Like, mm-hmm. so I feel like they're showing, like, I wouldn't, call like, call her an underdog specifically, but at the same time, people who were, like... Who had to fight to get what they were... Who had to were... fight significant challenges just because of their sex or their race or mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that's interesting if they keep that up this season um, with kind of showing the same same people yeah no yeah. it's it's definitely so, an aspect of this show that i absolutely love mm-hmm. yeah so they do kind of bring up the race that wyatt mentions earlier they don't really say anything about it but they're basically like are you like you're going to keep racing even though you know like they'll never give you a prize yeah recognize and he's like i know but I want to race. That's stupid. Yeah, he's like, I know what's, I know they won't do that. Um, it doesn't make it, I'm sure, any less humiliating, even knowing it's going to oh, happen for, sure. yeah. for it to happen. But um, they get home, and Rufus is in the bathroom, rebandaging his burn, and she is basically freaking out as silently as possible. Yeah, comes like, oh, in. He burned it. Um, which I think you mentioned, Lucy looks paler. This episode. I feel like they've made done a really good job of making Gia look. I wouldn't say tired. more haggard. I mean, yeah, yeah she like looks tired. tired. She's like they definitely like defined her cheekbones more and made her look a little bit like, yeah, um, just like yeah, like you said, tired. Um, and she's so, probably not sleeping very well either. I mean, if she's she did... noticing Lucy awake. Then exactly, is also awake. Um, exactly. So, yeah, because she can, has to be can, worried about can what's we give to the her. girl some Xanax, please, for right? good night's sleep. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, both of them need some like sleeping pills or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so at the symposium, which Mason was forbidden to go to, uh, Denise comes in and Ooh, arrests Mason. Boy, yeah. And she is pissed and says, if he ever does that again, he will in fact end up in jail. So is he. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's not happy either. Yeah, but I, I mean, I feel like we. I understand where he's at because he feels like he's completely irrelevant now. Like he has nothing. Mm-hmm. to do and he knows he's gonna have to rebuild his name and his career and all that basically yeah. start over and she's not letting him yeah but at the same um, time like it's not the time dude like yeah no i get it but it's not the time and like you can't be maya denise she gave you every opportunity not to do it but yeah, you had to go and it. do it yeah. so yeah and then we jump to the written house compound where Emma and Carol are kind of fighting. Emma's basically like, you're dumb and stupid, and I am better than you. There's a little goof here. What'd she say? Because she says uh, that the mission failed, basically, because of your daughter, who you should have let me kill in 1818. I thought I I heard that. Yeah, they messed up the dialogue. uh, Yeah, so 1918. But yeah, she like, 
um she gets interrupted because someone's like you need to come see this and <laughs> they're like oh wow because nicholas has painted this really strange mur- mural that yeah Carol has like the the way they act towards him too they're like your writings are blah 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 and we've been waiting on you to guide us and i'm like oh is this like a, this is a cult we're back in a cult. carol is in a full fully cult. <laughs> drunk the kool-aid like the kool-aid yeah. Uh, like Emma's not really like she's she's in it because of the power that it gives her yeah. I think but like she's not on board with uh with like whatever Nicholas is saying and even at the well, end I think she doesn't see the point and like she doesn't think they need him yeah which is I mean she's basically like we can do this without you know manifesto dude yeah and manifesto carol dude. is like no we need his guidance <laughs> and she's like why do we need his guidance a hundred years after he was born or after he was alive but and it which makes sense like mm-hmm. why do they need this dude because he's a dude <sighs> whatever uh, <laughs> but, anyway, but I, I love at the he's end made this like big mural yeah and that like carol has like it's like it's a map and he's like yeah and you thought i was just asking about pickled eggs and like in the same time, you got Emma that goes, "Wow!" And it's, it's not like a "Wow, this is amazing." It's a "Wow, this dude has completely lost it." <laughs> like, yeah, basically. who the so fuck like, is this man? Like, yeah. And so somehow this is supposed to tell them what to do. Yeah, it's all the thing about. Is. So we they gotta keep like the best thing about humanity and human culture yeah uh, which basically mean like white dude stuff white dude culture yeah stuff that'll help him most exactly uh and yeah that's supposed to show what it is i guess he's an artist okay yeah okay dude yeah i don't see the point in him they do for some reason but i don't (laughs) i'm not gonna say anything we'll have plenty of time to talk about it yeah so um this was a good episode i thought it was like like not a ton happened it's 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 more of a filler episode Uh, like i was saying before we started recording it's a filler episode but in the best way yeah i mean we get a little bit from each storyline of like moving a little bit forward with like what's going on with gia we get some background on wyatt some like where lucy's at it's, Where it's, it's is a at. fun it's a bit of liat uh, yeah, <laughs> uh it's but it's fun mm-hmm. it's just fun which you know after you know after the finale after the premiere which was pretty i don't know if i would say necessarily dark but there was a lot of heavy stuff mm-hmm. this one was a little bit lighter even though they do touch on some heavy things uh but it's a little bit lighter and it it it's nice to just have yeah. a little bit of fun. Yeah. Oh, what 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 are your theories? Um, I don't think I have too many other than like you know, obviously we're gonna have to keep going back to whenever Keen says to go back to preserve whatever it is about history. Um, that that foggy painting tells, but um. Yeah, I don't think there's too many things that came out of this episode that I would no, say we see much going forward. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh it's it's one I really like to watch again because it's just yeah, fun. it's a good one. It's just fun. Um, so. 
yeah, I think that's that's about it for this one. It's a pretty yep, quick so one. It was, yeah. Uh, so follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. Uh, on Twitter or X, we are BIT Lifeboat. And on Instagram, Threads, and Facebook, we're back in the Lifeboat. All one word. Yeah, we have a Facebook page now. And then rate and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Podbean, wherever you listen. It helps the show grow and helps people find us. Uh, spread the word to any of your friends or family who are timeless fans so they can reminisce or watch along with us for the first time. Our next episode will be covering season two, episode three, titled The Hollywood Land, which, fun fact, no, it's originally Hollywoodland. Hollywood. It's Hollywoodland, actually. I don't know the way I put the in it. It's just oh. Hollywoodland. Okay, Hollywoodland. But uh, which fun fact? Hollywoodland is what the original sign that says Hollywood said, and it was a uh, basically housing division that they were selling houses, and that was their advertisement. And uh, eventually, that went away, and they stopped paying for it. But the area um, kept Hollywood as the sign, uh, and originally it was lit, but. Um, it was really expensive, so they stopped doing that. But I was listening to some podcasts the other day, and they were talking about like famous letters that are on hillsides, and that was obviously the most famous one. Yeah, that's. But, um, uh, do I, can I think about any else? Um, it's just it was just like mm-hmm. random ones, like um, outside of Burbank, maybe. There's like a bee in a hill, and there's like an argument of whether it's Burbank or a local high school with the last name Burroughs that the B stands for it might be not be Burbank, but it's some town that starts with a B. Yeah. Um, it was a true crime podcast and it had something to do with the, like a nearby letter on a hill. And I don't remember the podcast. I was, I listened to several of them. I can't remember which one covered it, but um, anyway, so yeah, you think letter on a hill, you think Hollywood. Yeah. You think Hollywood land, the Hollywood sign, but yeah. Um, so watch and email us your thoughts at backinthelifeboat.com. Oh, it's backinthelifeboatpod.com, sorry. At gmail. At gmail. I can't talk to you. <laughs> it's hard. <Shut> out. <laughs> backinthelifeboatpod at gmail.com. There we go. Um, and shout out to our friend Mandy, who's editing and producing the show with us. Uh, we're cutting out our, all our little flubs. <laughs> <And Yeah. laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.